This is the MoveChannel.com's Property Inspector, taking a closer look at global real estate each month. This month, we leave behind the bricks and mortar of real estate and venture into the mysterious world beyond our own. It's the end of October, kids are running around in spooky costumes, scary movies are on the telly, weird noises are coming from the attic, and as Halloween sets in, you start to wonder, am I living in a haunted house? It's something we've all been through, the hair sticking up on the back of your neck, doors moving by themselves, bumps in the night. But what if your home really is haunted? What if you're not the only house guest? And more importantly, what on earth does that mean for your property's value? Haunted houses are often listed on the market at reduced prices. Why is that? Can paranormal activity help or hinder the advertising of your home? If you're trying to sell your property, is a ghost or two a blessing or a curse? I tracked down medium and psychic detective Bonnie Vent in San Diego. As part of her work as paranormal investigator, Bonnie runs the website San Diego Paranormal Research, which allows owners of haunted houses to advertise their home and connect them with buyers interested in paranormal properties. I did a little investigating of my own and interrogated her about how to sell a haunted house. Bonnie, thanks for joining me. What exactly do you do? Uh, well, on, on the, the paranormal side, it would be medium, researcher, psychic detective. And how did San Diego Paranormal Research begin to list haunted houses for sale? Well, it, it happened rather organically. Uh, I set up my website in 2002, and people would write to me and say, you know, I have strange things happening in my house, and I want to sell it, but do I have to tell anybody? Do I have to tell the real estate agent because they're going to think I'm crazy? Do I have to, you know, say anything to potential buyers? And then on the other side of the coin, I have people writing to me saying, you know, wow, sure would be interesting or neat to, you know, live in a haunted house. <laughs> Do you know where there are any? <laughs> and so I thought, well, you know, maybe I should just put a page up there, see what level of interest happens. And so it was actually just because people were writing to me with these kinds of questions. We use the term haunted house a lot. I mean, how would you define it? Well, there's kind of tried and true things that most people report if they're experiencing paranormal activity. Uh, and they usually they're electrical, lights going off and on, unexplained, uh, TVs going off and on, radios going off and on, uh, that kind of thing. So it seems that things that are electrical in nature are easier to manipulate. And of course, on the other side of the coin, there's also can be some very common sense things like the wiring's bad in your house. So you always want to look for logical explanations. Uh, I had one case where uh, they were experiencing the lights going off and on, and they're immediately scared and freaked out, and they think they have a ghost in their house. And actually, they had a problem with ants walking through an outlet and contacting the energy in the electrical outlet, causing it to short circuit. You know, we're very conditioned from childhood. You know, we all watched the spooky stories growing up. We all heard them, and, and we tend to immediately jump to that as, as an explanation. And there's, there's definitely a lot to that when, you, you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, my house is haunted. Well, it could be actually caused by the, the people living in the house, especially with uh, my poltergeist activity. A lot of that comes from teenagers that are going through puberty and they are, you know, 
emotionally upset most of the time because the hormones and everything's raging. So, you know, everything is always a disaster. And that energy going out into the atmosphere stays and lingers because we're, we're made of, of energy, basically energy and magnetism is, you know, what living people are made out of. And so the same true for those that have passed over as well. And they do retain their personalities. And so, you know, some are very nice and very nurturing and others are mad as hell. And so, you know, it depends on why they're there. Some, uh, some like to linger because it was an area that they really enjoyed. They really love their home and they don't want to leave. Uh, others have unfinished business and are looking for some sort of resolution or someone to help them out. There seem to be more haunted houses reported in the U.S. than in the U.K. Uh, do you just have more ghosts and haunted houses over there? There was actually a case in the in the U.K. where I think people are much more open to uh, this sort of thing than the other places. Uh, and in the situation there, the, the the couple was from another area, and they moved into the house. They were very excited because they got such a great deal and. So they started immediately talking to the neighbors, and the neighbors say, oh, you're the ones that bought the haunted house. Well, it was very commonly known in that area. So when the, uh, when the buyers sued the sellers for not disclosing that information, they actually won the case, not because it was haunted or not haunted, because the court can't get into that issue. But the fact that it was commonly known by everybody locally that it was haunted and that the sellers made it commonly known to everyone that it was haunted, they managed to win the lawsuit and they got out of the deal. What kind of impact can paranormal activity have upon a property? There's a, there's a celebrity, actually, story about this. Uh, in Hollywood, there used to be a very famous house called Pickfair, which was Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks. And it was purchased by Pia Zadora, the actress. Well, she moves into the house with her children and finds that the children are disturbed in the middle of the night because they keep seeing this lady materialize, you know, in their bedroom. Uh, of course, she says, oh, it's just your imagination. It's just a bad dream. Don't worry about it. And then, of course, it happened to her and she saw it herself. So she made up this whole story about there were termites and, you know, we have to completely level the house. And now, all these years later, she's actually coming out publicly and saying, well, no, it wasn't termites. It was because there was this spirit person in the house. So you can get into those extreme kind of examples. <clears throat> Um, there's a lot of factors you need to look at. It may not actually be the house. It could be the property that it sits on, or it could be the people that reside in that house. So when you get ready to, to sell the house, that becomes a complicated issue too. What do I disclose? Because the new owners may come into that house and not have any activity whatsoever. Whereas they legitimately do have a person that is tied to that house. Maybe they were murdered there. You know, some sort of tragic death does tend to lean towards houses having activity. That will probably remain when the house sells and a new owner comes in. 
What are the legal requirements about disclosing paranormal activity in a house? Uh, are sellers required to be honest? As far as I know, now maybe you know somebody's putting something in the works, but as far as I know, there's no laws on the books that relate to haunted property. So, like, for example, in the state of California, if there's been a death occur on the property within three years, you have to, by law, disclose that that death has occurred. But trying to take it into the paranormal world gets a little complicated in the sense that there's no laws about paranormal activity. There's laws about disclosure of murder, suicide, and things of that nature when it comes to, to real estate. And they're called stigmatized homes. Stigmatized homes. That's a wonderful euphemism. Yeah, exactly. There are laws on the books that relate to stigmatized homes. So they are separate in that sense. I can kind of say, well, there's a, you know, a dotted line connection because if there's been a tragic death, then there could potentially be paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. But all the, the legal systems can do really is just um, say, well, was, you know, was there a death either by suicide, murder, natural causes, whatever it may be. If there was a death on the property, then you have to disclose it. And, of course, you know, stigmatized homes uh, tend to sell for less money. Do people reduce the price of a haunted house because they have to in order to sell it? Or is it buyers negotiating the price down? Well, if you already know it's a stigmatized home, uh, then usually that's the, the agent that is saying, well, and, and they will actually go out and get consultants. There, there are people that that's all they do is they go out and do valuation <laughs> on stigmatized homes. And so they say, well, you know, it, it, they have all these formulas that they use, but it's based upon what happens there. Yeah. Um, I live in San Diego, so we had a very, uh, very famous uh, incident happen with the Hale-Bopp Comet and all those people that committed suicide in a mansion here mm. in San Diego. And they, you know, reduced the value of the house over and over and over again. Nobody wanted it. You know, it just had such a bad feel to it, you know, mass deaths and, and all of that. And ultimately, uh, they wound up just destroying the house and rebuilding something else on the, on the land. Do you have any personal experiences uh, with haunted properties? Probably one of the most famous uh, stigmatized homes right now would be the house that Michael Jackson died in. And there have been reports of lights going off and on without any explanation, uh, the security gates opening and closing with nobody there, neighbors reporting music coming out of the house uh, when, you know, there's just a caretaker person there. Uh, and, you know, these are very large mansions. So to be hearing any kind of noise coming out of a mansion is unusual. And it's right on the uh, the beaten path of the stars, uh, the map of the stars' home. So every five minutes, literally, there is a busload of people going by. And they're saying, oh, that's the house where Michael Jackson died over and over and over all day long. All of that energy focused in by living people on that home will cement that even further in, that energy in.
and because a lot of people believe that Michael Jackson is still there from time to time. Uh, I happen to be one of those. I've been in communication with Michael since like a couple hours after he passed away. He did ask me if I would go to the house and walk him through because he's still kind of confused as to what happened. Uh, but of course, easier said than done in the living world. Uh, the house is just recently, as of last week, an announcement came out that the house was sold. There again, you get back into the, the real world. It's a stigmatized home. So they were asking $24 million for this mansion. And what came out publicly was that the purchase price was somewhere between 17 and $20 million. So some people will buy stigmatized homes, not caring whether there's activity, maybe not even believing that such a thing exists. But they want to get the property for, you know, pennies on the dollar. That can be a... Uh, big selling point. A lot of the people that contact me through my website looking for haunted houses are actually looking for cheap houses. <laughs> and they're saying, you know, we're okay if, you know, if there's a little bit of activity as long as it's, you know, Casper the friendly ghost. And <laughs> so you're kind of an estate agent for buyers and sellers on both sides of the grave, if you, if you will. Because of the, <laughs> the way that I'm angled, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because sometimes like in the case of Michael Jackson, the spirit person is actually calling me in to ask for assistance. Same thing with the Spreckles Mansion. The, um, the people that, that died there actually brought me over to the house to get additional information, which was then turned over to the family attorney. That can be used with um, people that are actually doing you know, the evidence gathering there again, big difference between what I do and the legal system. Anything that I have as far as impressions cannot hold up in a court of law as evidence. But it can be used in order to obtain evidence. It can take those people down a path, maybe looking for something that they weren't looking for before. And that's what happened in, in this case. So I provided additional information. My, my calling is to provide a voice for people that are in need of assistance and it's a little bit different too than the people that you know paid for you know doing readings and all of that stuff because there's a lot of fraud and so I stay away from that and do more of the um, historical research and if you know there again if a spirit person calls me and asks me for assistance then I do my best to provide it Obviously, then you have the kind of the fake haunted houses side of it, the, the kind of attractions industry. Can you can you buy a real haunted house and then turn it into a fake haunted house? One of the other uh, things I noticed, because I used to work with Butch Patrick, who played Eddie Munster on The Munster, he's very heavily involved in the haunted house attraction industry. And uh, we went to a convention, and I started talking with these people. They're known as haunters. Uh, it was funny because I was actually up on stage and we were introducing, you know, Butch and, you know, celebrity advertising for haunted house attractions. And I come walking off the stage. There's a guy that's standing there and he's got a picture of the outside of his attraction. And he's showing it to, you know, the person I was working with. And so I walked up and I said, okay, you have activity here, 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 and here. And he went, oh. He says, how do you know that? And I said, I just know because when I look at that photograph, I can actually see little areas. They just kind of lighten up for me, and I can actually see it. So that led me down another path to start talking to other people at the show and say, well, you know, do you guys ever have 
unexplained things happen in your haunted house attraction because there again they're very heavily regulated because of safety issues so they know every prop every movement that everybody makes it's all very well scripted and planned and they start saying well yeah you know it's very interesting because people will walk out and say oh wow that guy that came through the wall that was really and they just kind of look at each other and go oh we don't have anything in there like so in talking with these people they will look for spooky looking houses everybody you don't have to be psychic to feel a spooky vibe uh, and they will look for that and they will augment it so in some cases when you're going through a haunted house attraction thinking that everything is just fake scary stuff sometimes people have actual experiences what other tips can you suggest for selling a haunted house are there are there types of haunted homes that are better to buy than others uh, a haunted house is ever a smart investment what I've noticed, and, and I've had, you know, this buy-sell real estate page up for about six years now, and what I have noticed is that where there is value add is if it's a bed and breakfast, because to have a haunted reputation in a bed and breakfast is always a good thing. Because people like the idea of, oh, I'm going to go visit this clean bed and breakfast, which is very different than wanting to buy a, a property and live in that property until death do you part. So... Uh, there, there's actually a, uh, a voyeur kind of aspect to this. People that like to go to haunted hotels, some will report that, yeah, I don't want to stay in the haunted room. I want to stay in the room that's right down from the haunted room. There's actually that, you know, wanting to be one step removed. Definitely haunted bed and breakfast is a good thing. Now, there was another case in the United States in uh, Tom's River, New Jersey. They wound up on a television show. And I, I think it made the press in the UK as well. It, you know, it just went everywhere. It's like, oh, this is the first case, you know, where somebody's suing because of paranormal activity. And the judge basically came back and said, you know, well, rent, you know, this is a rental case, uh, said to the renters, no, you owe the rent because we can't make any kind of determination whether there's ghosts in that house or not. And they lost their deposit and they had to pay three months rent. There again, if you're, if you're trying to uh, avoid getting into a situation where maybe there's something wrong with the property, you know, as, as always, if it looks too good to be true, the price is really, really cheap and you can't figure out why, then you might want to start checking the history on the property. Bonnie, thank you very much. The property inspector will return next month. Until then... Sleep tight. Music by Kevin McLeod.